The following podcast is sponsored by you. If you'd like to donate to help us continue providing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there, please use the link in the show notes for this episode. Proceeds from your donations will be used to pay for hosting fees, which are the most expensive ongoing part of providing this show. Thank you in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. Well, folks, it's just VCU just doesn't know how to do things the easy way. They have to make it as hard on themselves as possible. And and again, Games like this are why people don't like to coach because this is this is a coaching loss, plain and simple, and it's intensely frustrating that they found a way to lose this game instead of finding a way to win, and it's almost a carbon copy of St. Bonaventure, but in some respects it's worse. Welcome to Rams Rewind. If you like what you hear, even on a night like tonight, and you want to shoot, want to help us out, shoot us some dinero. There's a link in the PayPal description. Uh, uh, there's a PayPal link in the description, excuse me, on all your podcast platforms, especially Podbean. And my goodness, you get the good, it's, it's, you get the good start, just like the St. Bonaventure game. You get the lead. You've got, you've got, you've got them. They've got, they're down Malachi Smith, who, you know, they, that was announced this afternoon. They've got the backup point guard in foul trouble. He's off the floor. There are other really good guard, R.J. Blakeney, who's been injured and comes back and gets hurt. And you've got so many things going in your favor here. And yet, this is what happens. You find a way to let them hang around and come back in the game. You end up down at halftime in a game where you had, where at least in the first seven, eight minutes you had control of it. And you, uh, you find a way to get beat, and that's what happens. And it's just like St. Bonaventure, except this is kind of worse. Because, I mean, for pretty much the entire game, because of Sheriff Johnson's foul trouble, because he played nine minutes and got five fouls and fouled out of the game, they didn't have a recognized ball handler on the floor. Not on the floor at all. And, And it just blows my mind. You know, where was the where was the ball pressure up the floor? Where was the where was the trying to wear this team down? They basically played six guys when you look at it. They played six guys because here we go. They played Sheriff Johns plays nine minutes. Blakeney plays six. And and Mulcahy plays seven. So really, they played five guys the whole dead gum game. Because Kobe Brea didn't start. He ends up playing 32 minutes. VCU should have worn this team down, should have made them defend, should have pressured the ball up the floor and made it hard to get the ball up the floor. You didn't have to trap or really press. Just pressure them up the floor. And instead, they bailed them out on defensive possession after defensive possession after defensive possession. And... In the end, the team that's undermanned, completely undermanned because of fouls and injuries, 
uh, wins the game. I mean, it's just, it's, it's brainless from everybody. Players, coaches, I don't care. And, and Bruce Stevenson, that's a great question. Where is Banks, Lawall, and Fermin? On a night like tonight, to me, you got you got This is where you're supposed to use your depth to wear teams down. And yes, Daniel Carter and Darren Grimes and everybody else. The foul shooting, and we will spend some time on that. But they didn't deserve to win this game, even if, even with, even with the bad foul shooting, because. They weren't willing to be patient. They weren't willing to play as a team. Ace, here's the thing that gets me. Ace Baldwin is not playing well tonight. He is taking bad shots. And yes, he took the same bad shots and they went in the other day. But he's not acting like a facilitator out there. He needed to sit down and rest. He plays 34, he plays all 40 minutes tonight. And Zeb Jackson plays seven minutes. And you know what's terrible about that? <clears throat> Ace Baldwin has three assists and is 6 of 21 from the field. You know who had more assists than Ace Baldwin? Kobe Elvis had four assists. Kobe Brea had four assists. And they're not point guards. <clears throat> not even close. Unbelievable. And you've got to sit. And I'm sorry. I know he just had a 37-point game and he was amazing the other night. But he is clearly out over his skis, trying too hard, forcing too many things. Because it wasn't just that. Some of these passes he was trying to force. And we know what a gifted passer and how he can put the ball through the eye of a needle sometimes. But some of these passes he were for he was forcing was terrible. And one of the key, and honestly, the key point of the game. They're up 47-46. They get the steal. You've got almost three on one. There's Brandon Johns right there. You pass it to him. It's an easy bounce pass layup. He passed it back. Why the hell did he do that? And we miss a shot. We get the rebound. We miss another shot. We get the rebound at the end. We settle for a none three-pointer, which doesn't go in because pretty much none of them went in after the early portion part of the game. And they go down and score and get the lead, and that was the catalyst for the big run that put them ahead for good. Mandy, here's the problem. We didn't drive into the paint that much, really. And, and the other thing is, we were, we, were, we were driving into blind alleys all the time. We weren't actually getting to the rim. We were getting to the baseline at times, and we were getting to, that, to like the block. But we weren't getting to the rim. We weren't getting it to the rim. And that's another one, Bruce. That other one was bad. But that's, you know, that's, I think, in that case, I think Deloach is trying to make the make the right play. I don't know what Ace was thinking because he had he had Johns right in front of him for an easy layup. But here's, here's why we all, all, I mean, Chris MJ, you're right. All we do is drive into traffic. We're not setting the screens. We're not moving off the ball. We're creating. We're, we're not doing the things that can create the open space. But seriously, Ace Baldwin needed to sit down a couple of times tonight. You know, he took, he took seven threes and missed them all. This team was two for five from three at the start. So they were two for 14 the rest of the game. Oh, and oh God, and Daniel Carter, you're absolutely right. Not just that. 
not just that ludicrous alley oop attempt, which luckily fell into Loach's hands, and he gets the and he and he gets it in there and gets fouled. But all of them, it's like make the good play, not the great play. And this team does not do that. There's so many times this team is trying to make the highlight real play instead of making the good play. And it just and they complicate everything. And of course, they, just like the first game, they couldn't stop Tamani Kamara. Tamani Kamara has 26 and 15 and just 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 eats us up. Uh Jason Hutto, that's true in some respects. I mean, I thought they missed an obvious offensive foul when they were pressing that one time at the end, and there was a few other times. The thing that I didn't like is that the refs, Dayton was using their off arm a lot to create space, and the refs, except for one time, didn't call it. But seriously, you've got a team out there that's playing essentially five guys. You've got to wear them down. Make them defend. Be patient. Make the extra pass. This team didn't do that tonight. This team had one assist in the second half. One. And I wonder who had that because I don't think it was Ace. Yeah, Nick Kern had the one assist in the second half. By the way, Nick Kern, I know he was a mismatch against Kamara, and that's why he didn't play a lot. Nick Kern should have played more tonight. He only played 10 minutes in the second half. And he makes his only basket, which was off that steal when they were trying to come back at the end. This was... This, oh golly, this loss. I mean, again, St. Bonaventure was really frustrating because they had a lot of that their own way, even though they were playing it on the Bonnie's terms and found a way to lose, and they did the same thing here. But you know what? Let's talk about, before I get to the free throws, let's also talk about this. Jalen Deloach was easily their best player tonight, and he gets five field goal attempts. I know Deron Holmes is tough, and I know Deron Holmes is big. But seriously, why could we not throw the ball into Deloach on the block and let him go to work? Because I think we did it a couple times early in the game, and then we stopped. Why? I don't understand it. Absolutely ludicrous. <laughs> Tug Hines says awful adjustments. What adjustments? Because honestly, for whatever reason, we decided not to pressure the ball up the floor much tonight. The, the, the facts on the ground should have changed that. And yet we weren't doing it until the end of the damn game. But the free throws. God bless America. It, it's happened again. Just like, just like the St. Bonaventure game. Just like other games. Why, did v, why was VCU trailing by four at halftime? Because three times they had the front end of the one and one and they missed the front end every time. Nunn did it, Watkins did it, Deloach did it. And then, and then um, somebody did it in the second half. So in a game you lose by four points, you leave eight points on the board because you missed the front end of four one-and-ones. And you know what? It, I'm sorry. This is where we get – this is where we put it on the coach because this is a continuing problem. And don't tell me you work on it because that's bull. Because it wouldn't keep happening. I can all, I mean, I can't totally forgive Deloach missing three out of seven because but his his free throw shooting was appalling and it has to get better. It's all these other guys missing them. Brandon Johns is 0 for 2. He's usually a good foul shooter. He missed two big ones in the second half. 
8 of 15 in the second half. And that's the thing. Dayton gave us a chance because they missed. They were 4 for 9 in the second half. So they gave us a chance, even as well as they played. Golly, Moses. I mean, it's, it is just, it is just, it's so frustrating. Uh, I, I, I wonder sometimes, Bruce Stevenson, about what they practice. I do wonder it sometimes. And, and it just, I go back to this too. You've got it, you've got their, their top guard is, it pulls out four hours or five hours before the game. That's when I saw the tweet. It's about two o'clock this afternoon. Their backup point guard is a is, is a foul machine and fouls himself out of the game in nine minutes. Their other the only other guy that really handles the ball a lot for them gets hurt and plays six minutes. You know, seriously, it's like okay, you know, maybe our plan wasn't to pressure the ball a lot in the backcourt. Maybe it's time. And look, I'm I'm as much as I, as much as anybody I've yelled at this team about trapping when they shouldn't do. And I'm not even saying trap in the backcourt. I'm saying pressure the ball up the floor, get in Kobe Bray's face, and see what happens. Now, one time he got by it, and they managed to get a basket, or I think they might it might have been a foul because none tried to slap it from behind. But you're waiting until there's four minutes left, and you've played so many possessions where you've jacked the shot up in the first 10 seconds, which that doesn't take any effort at all because all you got to do is get the rebound. <coughs> And good God, Kamara and Holmes did that. Kamara had 15 rebounds. Holmes had 13. So the two of them get 28, and VCU as a team has 33. Sheesh. Amazing thing is, VCU won second chance points tonight, which should, I mean, normally that'd be a win for VCU. Normally that would mean VCU'd win. They won second chance points and points off turnovers, which tells you how bad their offense was that they win those two categories, both of them by double digits, and they still lose. Golly Moses. And let's give let's give Dayton some credit. They couldn't hit the broad side of a barn early in this game. They were 3 for 15 to start. And so they end up finishing 19 to 35 from the field. But that's the thing. What was Dayton doing? Dayton was doing what VCU should have been doing. They were patient. They were working the clock. They were, they were working their offense. They were passing. They were cutting. They were moving. And they were getting shots at the end of the shot clock. Kamara made at least two of them with the shot clock below two. One of them was at the buzzer. Amzil made one at the buzzer. You know, that was big for him. Braham, I think, made one at the buzzer. And that's the thing. You sit there and say, well, we played good defense for 30 seconds, I guess. But the fact is... They were getting good shots at the end of the shot clock. So, but that's the thing. If VCU had been, and that's the thing. Yeah, there'll be some times when you end up with some bad shots. But if you make them defend for 30 seconds, you're going to wear them down. And yes, Mandy, that is absolutely right, Mandy Whitlock. They were playing smart. We were playing sloppy. You got it. Of course, having said that, VCU only had nine turnovers. Which, again, that usually means VCU wins. Nine, only nine stinking turnovers. Dayton had 17, and they had 11 in the second half. Yeah, and Shriver did nothing. Again, what I'll give Shriver credit for is at least he didn't jack up a bunch of bad shots. But defensively, it was a struggle for him. You know, one of the plays that really hurt 
was him and him and a teammate going for a rebound, not talking to each other and knocking it into the opposing team's hands. You know, that's not good either. Again, communication, playing as a team, especially on the offensive end, was nothing, was not a uh, was not in, in evidence. That's a good question, Eric Slater. If they go four and two to finish thirteen and five, you would like to think that that would be at least a double buy. But here is the problem: they have brought they have brought missing the top four back into the equation. They have brought missing because here is the thing: they are only now one game ahead of the loss column of St. Bonaventure, who they lose a tiebreaker with. They are only one game ahead of the loss column of Fordham, who they haven't played yet. You know, they're only one game ahead of Dayton, who now they split with. Now they may end up winning the tiebreaker against Dayton. We don't know yet how it's going to work out. But that's the thing. They could have taken – I saw it was – it was tweet, it was uh, t- I think it was in our Facebook group, and it was tweeted out about the, pro- the seed probabilities. And before tonight, VC was something like 80-plus percent to be the number one seed. They had a chance – to take a vice-like grip on the top seed and really the top two. You've put Dayton away if you win this game because you'd be three games ahead of Dayton in the loss column and you'd have the tiebreaker because you swept them. But again, VCU just won't do the straightforward thing. They're going to make it as hard as possible. And it's infuriating. And it's coaching. So save your defenses for Mike Rhodes tonight. Save your defenses for him because tonight, nights like tonight are why a lot of people cannot stand him as the coach. That is why. Because you know what? I can tell you this. If, if Anthony Grant was on VCU sideline tonight and this situation comes up, VCU wins this game easily. Because Anthony Grant's going to attack the fact that they don't have they don't have a recognized guard, and he's going to make sure this team runs an offense that wears the team down. Dayton was shortening the game, which is what they needed to do, and VCU was just jacking up shots first 10, 15 seconds of the clock. I mean, honestly, that's the other thing. It's you wonder why some of the people that don't play don't play when everybody that's out on the floor is making silly decisions, making the kind of decisions that you should be pulled for a minute or two. So you sit down and you get yelled at and you say, what's going on here? Why are you doing that? Ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous this entire game. And, and, and now, if there's a third meeting with Dayton and they actually have all their players, they're going to walk in there thinking, we can beat them. We only lost by one and we should have beat them the first time. And we only had five healthy guys for pretty much the entire of the game the second time, and we beat them anyway at their place. So you've you've just you've just made you've just given Dayton life. A Dayton team that since that loss in early in January was struggling. And you've just given them life and probably put their season back on track. Man, it's terrible. Look. Uh, Doug Hines, I understand your frustration with Shriver. He's far from the biggest problem tonight. I mean, he didn't make any. He didn't make a lot of great decisions, but who did? Darren Grimes, you're absolutely right. 
But here's why, I mean, Anthony Grant's problem is they didn't get to finish the COVID season. And that's Anthony Grant's problem because if they had and they got to a final eight or final four, they'd be grumbling, but they wouldn't be as mad. Mike Rhodes, losses like this for Mike Rhodes happen, have happened way too often. And they happen in the key moments of the season. We are in February. We are in the home stretch. You're top of the conference. You have got a chance to really lock this, to start locking this conference up. And you lose a game. And you lose a game because you make, you just, you play it the wrong way for most of the way. You don't adjust to the facts on the ground. That's why. And that's why we get frustrated. And we get frustrated, Darren Grimes, also, because the same things that beat us are the same things that have beaten us for years. Foul shooting. Rebounding. Not being patient on offense. Selfishness. All the time. All the time it happens. And you're right, Darren Grimes, he can't do that. But that's the thing. Except for the except for Bones Highland's second year, this has been a terrible foul shooting team. And it doesn't matter who the personnel's been. So at that point, that's where the blame's got to go when it keeps happening. When you keep losing games because you won't you won't play for because you won't play as a team on offense, because you won't work hard for your teammate, you won't screen, you won't cut and it keeps happening, that's when you start blaming the coach. Because they can do it. <coughs> Excuse me. We've seen them do it. We have seen them do it this year. So why is it when we play a team like Dayton in a game that we have a chance to really put ourselves in a great position? Oh, no. We're not going to do it now. I'm just going to go down here. I had 37 the last game, so I'm just going to jack this shot up. Or I'm going to drive, and I'm going to float to the baseline and take a baseline J. Degree of difficulty, 9.5 out of 10. And you got to have the courage to sit a good player down for a minute or a couple minutes and say, you need to get back to what you're doing. And again, we all loved what Ace did. Last Friday against St. Louis, it was amazing. But the best ace Baldwin is a facilitator first. He had two assists in that game, and they managed to pull it out because he had 37. He had three assists tonight, and two guys that aren't regularly point guards had more assists than him. And they lose the game. Ace Baldwin takes 21 shots tonight. The next Isis was Mustafa Amzil, who was 3 for 14. The big difference between the 14 points against Davidson and this 14, I can tell you that. In that game, he was far more, he was far more efficient. And that's the thing he's got to remember. He's got to get this offense set up. He can't be the conductor of the orchestra and try to play three instruments. And that's what he was tonight. And it costs VCU dearly. And this team loses a game that, quite frankly, they should have won. The St. Bonaventure game was one thing. They outplayed us. We played it on their terms. That was a tough game. This is different. Dayton had everything against them. 
absolutely everything against him, and they started by nothing but brick and shots. And VCU could not put their foot on their neck and step on it. When other and look, it's you look at what happened last year. Again, the same thing. It's like they had VCU had everything against them, and did they find a way to fight through and win against Dayton at home last year? No, Dayton beat the brakes off of them because whatever those fans think of Anthony Grant, he's he's going to adjust to what's going on in the game, and he's going to adjust to the to the to the facts that are at hand. And he's going to make a plan that's going to work a lot of the time. Now, hey, Daniel Carter, somebody should go to that coach's show and ask him why year after year this team struggles to make free throws. Because it isn't just this year. And it isn't just last year. Every stinking year for about the last 10, except for Bones Highland's second year, this has been a bad foul shooting team. And And he's been here for most of them. So it's a legitimate question to ask him. By the way, they were 0 for 9 for 3 in the second half. They took a lot of threes in the first half too, which was infuriating. I, I was not liking that. They took t- they they calmed it down a little bit, but it's like, you know, they you shouldn't have been taking nine threes in the second half. This team's got some guards that can attack the paint and drive and are so good driving to the basket. But that's the other thing. you got to get to the basket. And you got to, again, you got to try to get contact and get, these, and get fouls too. And they did sometimes, and other times they didn't. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's funny. The three mid-league guys were talking about how – they were seeing VCU fans talking about an at-large bid after St. Louis, and they said, put your house on Dayton winning Tuesday night, and they were right. <laughs> Jeez. But, I mean, you, they could not, nobody could have imagined that all the things that would line up against them, and they still managed to win the game. That, that just, ugh. I mean, that's the thing. VCU got eight more shots in the second half and still managed to make one less field goal. <laughs> Nine of 28 in the second half including 0 for 9 from 3 and 8 of 15 from the foul line. (sighs) You're not going to win any championships doing that. You're not going to win any championships doing that. And and you just can't excuse it because you had the opportunity tonight. You had the opportunity tonight. And now you've you've made this a real mess. You've made this a real mess. You can you now at least have to consider the possibility that this team isn't going to get to isn't going to get the double buy because again they end up in the wrong we end up t- tied with the wrong team they're going to lose a tiebreaker mm. so maybe this eight day break is coming at the right time it's funny because I saw Coach Rhodes's pr- uh, weekly press conference this afternoon. Uh, that was up on YouTube, and he was talking about uh, he was talking about that the break was coming at the right time, and um, I kind of wonder if that mentality seeped into this team a little bit, and they were kind of looking forward to the eight days off instead of getting this done first. Their next opponent is Rhode Island. That's next Wednesday. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, and all that, I'll be able to join you. It is ESPN Plus. That'll help. 
quite interestingly, Rhode Island is is at least so far causing St. Louis a few problems at Chaffetz Arena. Uh, they're down two. And even though Rhode Island's not been that good this year, they have improved lately, and that's been a bugaboo team for us. So that does not look that does not look as clear cut as it. And that's the funny thing: these next three games at the beginning of the season, we would have said, "Ah, these are three wins, no problem." At Rhode Island, home to Fordham, at St. Joe's, they are none of them look easy now. The only good news is at least VCU's gotten warm on the road after not being a good road team. They're they're what is it? They're they're uh they're four for four on the road since they lost at Duquesne. So or five for five on the road actually. I think yeah, five for five on the road. So at least two of the next three are on the road. Maybe that'll help them. But what would really help them is to take care of the little things. What would really help them is try to make the basic plays in the good plays. Don't go for a stinking highlight. I hope not, Jason Hutto. If we split the next four games, then, then we really got a problem. If we split the next four games, then we are every chance to miss out on the uh, on the on the double buy altogether. And I know our red, we have never won with the double buy, but this year of all years, you need to get the highest seed possible and let the chips fall where they may. You don't want to be you don't want to get sucked into some game. On uh, on uh, Wednesday Wednesday night that could be problematic. So yeah, so we get a week off. We get a week off next Wednesday, Rhode Island. Uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll endeavor to be there and be and be here with you guys here in the Good and the Bad and the Ugly group. By the way, if you're not a member of the VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly group, join us. Uh, a lot of different things in there. We, we of course, follow the, the basketball teams, but we follow every team, uh, VCU and, and what they're doing. We keep an eye on our non-conference schedule. Um, Pittsburgh won tonight easily, so that's nice. They might actually be a quad one win in about a week or two. And we do VCU by the numbers, which will be out tomorrow, which is uh, Wednesday, for those of you who are listening in podcast land. And uh, so we'll have VCU's bracket position because they will still be in the bracket as of uh, as of Wednesday because they're still in first place. And we'll look at all their numbers, Ken Pomeroy numbers, net, a few other things. Uh, we're, we'll quad one win watch. We'll be on quad one win watch at this point. Dayton might actually end up being a quad one win. They weren't coming into the night, but they might be one because they beat us, which is kind of screwed up, but whatever. And, and stuff like that. And, of course, we always keep our eye on what's going on around the conference as well. So we have threads for that also. So, And we have the game threads, which usually can be fun but often can be good uh, – often can be uh, wild rides. And there was a lot of frustration in the game thread tonight, rightly so. And rightly so. So thank you all for listening out there in podcast land. Thank you, everybody, in the Good and the Mad and the Ugly group uh, for your comments. I really appreciate it. And um, – I will look forward to talking to you next time, whenever that is, you know, next week if that's if that's the case. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.